Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. More information about Lifehouse and our senior pastors, Richard and Helen Kabakian, can be found at lifehouse.com.au. We hope you enjoy the following message. So good to be with you this morning. You know, it's a funny thing when we do communion, because Megan and I are in so many different churches around the world, everybody does it different. Today, I almost took it at the wrong time. I was ready, Pastor Joseph, to take the bread, and I looked at Megan, and I went, ooh, shivers, I I think I'm actually a little bit early because it wasn't time to do that. We were in a church in Singapore just a few weeks ago, and they had this cool little contraption. It's like a plastic shrink-wrapped thing. On one side, it's got the bread, and then you turn it over, and on the other side, it's got like the, the juice, right, and you peel it off. Well, that's awesome. It's just that they said it's time to, you know, take it. And my wife just could not get the lid off. She's pulling and pulling and pulling and they're eating and drinking together. And it took us two minutes. We, you know, they're already on to the next thing before we actually managed to get the lid off. So it's a good idea. But I think this, this real thing of actual cups and little pieces of bread works a whole lot better. This morning... Let me just say that again, because I know they'll put it on YouTube. This afternoon, we're going to talk together about no more excuses. That's what I'm going to talk about today. Stopping the excuses that hold us back in life. No more excuses. That's what we're talking about today. You know, Jesus once told a story about excuses in Luke chapter 14 and verse 16. He said, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and he invited many guests And so, you know, the invite goes out. It's going to be a great party. You've got to come. Verse 17 says, At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who'd been invited, Come, because everything is now ready. But the Bible says, But they all alike began to make excuses. Father, I pray this afternoon that you would speak to our hearts. There are people in this place that really need to hear from you today. I get a sense in my spirit this morning that there are people here today that are asking big, big questions about their future, about what it is that you have for them. There are people in this room today that are feeling overwhelmed by the challenges that they face right now. And even as we declared those good things about you, God, the the, the questions still remain for people in this room today. Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts God, for those of us who are in that place of feeling like we're going around and around and around the same mountain, I pray today that this day would be a breakthrough day, that this day something would shift, that this day you would speak to our hearts and stir us up and remind us of all that you've called us to. Father, I thank you that in this room today there are great dreams, great opportunities, great gifts just waiting to touch this nation and the nations around the world. Use us, I pray, in your mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Some of you would know that I am a fisherman and uh, I love to fish. But one of the things that is true of every fisherman I've ever met is that they are great at making excuses. If you're going to catch fish or at least go fishing, you're going to come up with excuses as to why you didn't catch anything. You know, you say, well, it was too hot. It was too cold. The, the, the bait wasn't really right. The tide wasn't really right. The temperature really wasn't right. The rig wasn't right. The drift wasn't right. If you're a fisherman, you get to become an expert at excuses. And maybe you know someone like that. You know, they're always going to do this and they're going to do that and they're going to do something else, but they never actually do it because they just make a lot of excuses. Do you know people? 
people like that? Can I see your hand? You say, I know people, I work with someone like that. I'm sitting next to someone like that today. Who? Yeah, yeah, hand, a few hands, a few nudges going on, right? Today, I wanna talk to us about how do we get free from excuses? Because what I've found is that if you're a kind of person who makes a lot of excuses, it tends to hold you back. It stops you from your destiny and the things that God has for your life. And so my assignment today was very clear. As I was seeking God during the week, I felt Him say that today is about helping people in this room respond to the great call that I believe is on your life and step into your future and deal with the excuses that are holding you back. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to teach you just a few important principles today. And then at the end of this service, I'm going to believe that God is going to stir you up so much that you draw a line in the sand and you say, no more excuses. God, I'm going to do what you're calling me to do. I'm going to go where you're calling me to go. I'm going to stop with the excuses and step into my future. That's where I believe we're going to get to today. So if excuses have ever held you back, if excuses have ever stopped you from doing what you believe God wants you to do, the good news is that in the next 30 minutes, you're going to get something that's really going to help you to move forward. I honestly believe that. That for some of you in this room, you're never going to be the same again. In the next 30 minutes, God is going to speak to you. But you know what? Others of you in this room, you're going to hear that exact same message, but because of the excuses that start to rise up, the challenge is that you could hear that message and walk out of here the same way that you walked in. Can I just say, don't be one of those people. Let that be somebody else, but don't let that be you today because God has a call on your life. I believe that. You know, I've been friends with Pastor Richard and Helen for so many years, 15, 16 years now. I've visited and been a part of the Lifehouse journey for so many years and I've seen what God has done and is doing. And I know one thing about this church, it's filled with people that God has gifted and called to do great things. I want you to be one of them. I don't want you to just be a spectator. God has good things in store for you. So we want to believe today that He'll speak to our hearts and clarify our call and really propel us into our destiny. But I want to begin today by talking about why it is so often in life it's hard to make lasting changes. Why is it that we get sidelined by excuses? Now, if I was to ask you today, what would you like to be different about your life right now? I reckon every person in this room would come up with some answers to that question. If I said, what do you really want to change? Oh man, there's a whole bunch of things that I'd like to change. I'd like to lose some weight maybe. I'd like to spend more time with my family. I'd like to get out of debt. I'd like to sell my Collingwood membership. I'm just not sure anyone would want to buy it. See, now I'm going to say that this afternoon at East because I know there's a bunch of Collingwood supporters there and they're all going to look really dirty at me. But I know there's none in this room, so we're all good, all right? <laughs> if I asked you what is it that you really want to change, most of us could answer that. But you know what I've found? I've found in life that it's one thing to want to change. It's another thing to make the change and to stick to that and to actually see it through. Anybody in that, in that place? And that is because our good intentions often get sidelined by the excuses that rise up. That's what happened in this story Jesus gave. You know, one guy said, well, you know, I'd love to come to your party, but I've just bought a field and I'm going to go check it out. 
Another one said, I just bought some oxen and I'm going to take them for a test drive. Another one said, I just got married and my wife, you know, we're on our honeymoon. There's no way I could come. It's not that we don't have good intentions. We do. It's just that our good intentions often get derailed by our excuses. Can I see a hand if you've ever made a New Year's resolution? You're one of those people that on January 1, you say, yeah, I'm going to lose the weight. Yeah, yeah, come on. I'm going to lose the weight. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to go carb-free. Anyone ever done that? That's crazy, isn't it? My goodness, carb-free. That's all the good stuff just knocked out like that. Did you know that by the end of January, just 30 days in, 40% of people who said, you know, I'm going to make this resolution have quit. And by the 15th of February, 75% of us have given up on those New Year's resolutions. Why is that? It's because, listen, whenever you have a good intention, a good idea, you're relying on your own strength to bring that thing to pass. And how many of you know that our own strength, our own willpower, our own resolve is limited, right? If you've ever tried to quit smoking, you would know that it's limited. We can try and we can try, but pretty quickly we get overwhelmed by the urge, right? Now here's what I need you to know today. The reason why many of us struggle to make lasting changes in our lives is because far too often, friends, we are acting on good intentions rather than discovering God's intention for our lives. Those two things are very, very different. See, we get excited about what we want. Good intentions. You can have good intentions. Good intentions are about what we're interested to do in our lives, what we want to see change in our lives. Instead of discovering God's intention, what He wants. See, the Bible says that God loves you. God has a great plan for your life. God wants to use you, every single one of you, to do something great. But if you don't believe that, if you don't own that, if you ignore that and you just constantly are doing your own thing, we are trying to make these changes in our lives because we think that they're important, but actually they're at odds with what God wants for our lives And so friends, we can't expect that he's going to come alongside and give us the supernatural help that we need to change that thing if it's not even what he's calling us to. Does that make sense today? You know, so we've got these good intentions and we try to change on something, but the issue is he's not helping us because he's actually got a different plan for our lives. There's a difference between your good intentions and God's intention, God's plan for your life. And so when we go it alone like that, we say, well, this is what I want to be different. I want this to change and that to change and something else to change. God says, well, okay, it's not really what I want for you. You're on your own. Now we've got to rely on our own strength, our own effort, our own willpower to bring it to pass. And what happens is the excuses start to rise up and the excuses are the things that cause us to dip out of it. So friends, if we want God's help, we say we want God's supernatural help to change this thing, to shift this thing. Here's what we've got to do. Instead of continuing to ask, what is it that I want to be different about my life right now? We have to change that a little bit and we need to start asking, what does God want to be different about my life right now? 
What does God want? See, He's the one who created me. He's the one with the plan for my life. He's the one that wants to help me supernaturally. When I ask that change, when I, when I say, God, what do you want to change? What do you want to be different? Now I've got access to His power. Now I've got access to His help. Now I've got access to His wisdom. Now I've got access to His supernatural empowering to bring about the change that in my own strength I could never achieve. Does that make sense today? What is it that God wants to be different about your life? Think about that. What does God want to be different? Well, maybe God wants you to include Him in your life a whole lot more. Maybe God wants you to trust Him in some area that you've been anxious about. Maybe God wants you to say yes to something that's way outside of your comfort zone. See, if we want His power, if we want His strength, we have to stop asking, what do I want to be different about my life? And we have to start asking, God, what do you want? What do you want to be different about my life? But once we've asked that question and we've said, all right, what does God want to be different about my life? The second thing we've got to ask is why? Why does God want that to be different? That is such an important thing to ask because when we put the why with the what, when we connect those two things together, that's when the power comes to make the change. We don't get sidelined by excuses when we understand what God wants and why He wants it. Let me give you an example. What does God want for your life right now? Well, you know, I think that God wants me to get in shape. Okay, why, why does God want you to get in shape? Well, because recently I've noticed that the staff at my local McDonald's are calling me by my first name and uh, that's a bit embarrassing and I can't fit into my skinny jeans anymore and I'm a bit embarrassed about it. So I think God wants me to lose the weight. Hey, that might be true. That might be very true, but that's not why God wants you to change. Why does God want you to get in shape? Well, because the Bible says that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? Bible says that we're supposed to honour God with our body. If we're in shape, we can live a long time. We can do what He's called us to do. We've got energy and we've got passion. That's the spiritual why that connects to the what. And whenever you connect the why and the what, we've got motivation now. We've got power now. We've got passion now to change what God wants us to change and do what He's called us to do. What does God want to be different about your life right now? That's a big question. What does God want? Not what do you want, but what does God want? Well, I think God wants me to read my Bible more. Okay? I think God wants me to pray with my kids more. I think God wants me to serve on that ministry team, stop that bad habit, step out in faith. Why? Why does God want that? Well, I don't know. I, I just think maybe that'd be something that He would want. No, 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 no. The answer to the why is so I can be more like Jesus. That's why He wants you to do it. So you can be more like Him, right? The answer to the why is so I can apply God's Word, so I can overcome some things in my life, so I can step out by faith and do what He's called me to do, right? That's the answer to the why question. And whenever we connect what does God want with why does God want it, now we've got a strength and a motivation and a power coming from the one who has a plan for your life the God who has a great destiny for you. You know, in the Bible, in Exodus chapter three, we read about a man called Moses. Bible says Moses had been out in the wilderness, he's tending some sheep and he looks over to the horizon and he sees a bush that's on fire. 
kind of a unique thing out in the desert. And so he goes for a look. And as he gets closer, he notices that although it's you know, on fire, it's not actually burning up. Well, just then from the flames, he hears a voice. Turns out to be the voice of God, like pretty freaky stuff, right? God says, Moses, I'm choosing you to rescue three million people from Egypt, to rescue my people. Now, friends, what you need to know is that Moses was in the wilderness and he'd been in the wilderness for 40 years because of a good idea that he had. See, the Bible says that Moses one day had a good idea. And his good idea was to help get God's people out of slavery. Now, it was a good idea, very good idea. It's just that God hadn't asked him to do it back 40 years earlier. And so Moses decided that he was going to pull this thing off in his own strength. He was on his own, right? That was not what God had asked him to do as a young man. So the Bible says that one day Moses got angry. He saw an Egyptian abusing the the people. He got angry, he killed the guy and he buried his body in the sand. You know, Moses, he'd been a prince in Egypt. He had been living in the royal family. As a result of that dumb decision, he had to flee. He had to go out into the wilderness and he was looking after sheep for the next 40 years of his life. I'm telling you, friend, excuses and setbacks and hardships in your life multiply when you act on good intentions rather than discovering God's intention for your life. It might be a good thing, but if it's not a God thing, you're on your own. Moses spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. He went around and around and around for 40 years. But you know what? Like we sang before, God is good. God is so good. He's so kind. God didn't forget about Moses. And friend, I'm here to tell you today, God has not forgotten about you. After 40 years, God appears and he says, Moses, I'm choosing you to rescue my people from slavery. I love that. Because 40 years earlier, Moses tried to solve this problem in his own strength and he just did a little thing. But now God comes and when God comes and God calls you to something, you might have had like a, an okay idea, but when God comes, he comes and he brings this amazing idea, this amazing call. And you know, now he's talking about rescuing 3 million people. It's always bigger and greater and more wonderful than anything that you ever thought about. Because friend, if you could have done it on your own, you wouldn't have needed God. If you could have brought it about on your own, you wouldn't have needed him. See, before when I asked you, what is it that God wants you to do right now? Some of you were like, gee, I don't know whether I could even tell anybody that because that thing that God's called you to is pretty scary to you. It's pretty big to you. It's like, oh my goodness, I'm not sure about that. Listen to me, friends. God doesn't operate in the realm of the possible. Okay? God doesn't operate in the realm of the possible because if it was possible, We could all just do it in our own strength. See, there's a thing about God. Can I tell you today, God likes to get the credit. You know, it's not about me and it's not about you. It's about Him. And so when we step into something that's so big and so scary and so beyond anything that we could do and we say, oh, no, 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 it's not me, it's Him. He gets all the glory. And that's what He wants from your life, friend. It's all about Him. God appears to Moses and he says, Moses, you're my man. 
But Moses says, but God, that's impossible. And then he begins to come up with all the excuses. Exodus 4.10, you can read it. Moses raised another objection to God and he said, Master, please, I, I don't speak very well. I've never been good with words and not before nor either after you spoke to me. I stutter and I stammer. I want you to notice something here. God called Moses to speak. God did not call Moses to fight. If God had called Moses to fight, Moses would have been, yes, God, I can do that. We know Moses could fight. He killed a man, buried him in the sand. And then later when he was in the wilderness, his to-be wife, he went and defended her from these raiders and Moses could fight. God didn't ask him to fight. God asked him to do the very thing that he could not do, which was to speak. That's a word for some of you in this room today because the very thing that God is asking you to do is the thing that you don't believe you can do. See, that's what God does because He wants all the glory, right? So Moses is like, I can't, I, I can't, I stutter and I stammer. God asks us to do things in our life that in the natural we cannot do, so He gets all the glory. You know, I was watching those guys up there earlier and God's called them to be pastors. Man, I could never do that. No, you couldn't. You couldn't. In your own strength, you could not. But in His strength, absolutely you could, if that's what God's calling you to. What was happening was Moses was coming up with excuse after excuse after excuse because Moses was looking at his own natural inability rather than seeing God's unlimited ability. You know, Moses, he was looking at his limited power. I'm just a man. You're talking three million people. But he should have been focusing on God's unlimited power. And so Moses says, God, I can't. I, I, I stutter. And God responds in verse 11 and he says, Moses, who do you think made the human mouth? In other words, hey, buddy, if I'm going to call you to something, I'm going to give you what you need to make it happen, right? So, so for some of you here that feel like, oh man, how would I ever, how would I ever? That's what Moses said. And God said, who do you think made the human mouth? If I want you to speak, I'll give you the words to speak. So he says, so get going, Moses. I'm gonna be right there with you. I'm gonna be with your mouth. I'll give you the words to speak. But you know what? Moses was so used to making excuses that he says, oh God, please, please send somebody else. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that God got angry. God got angry. You know, Hebrew scholars say that Moses stood and he came up with excuses with God and argued with God for seven days before he actually accepted God's call. No wonder God got angry. For seven days, he came up with excuse after excuse after excuse. Now, the thing is, God knew that Moses was eventually going to say yes. God knew, but in God's economy, friend, listen to me today, delayed obedience is always disobedience. In God's economy, delayed obedience, when you know what He's asking you to do, but you don't do it because you're afraid, because you're worried about what someone might think, because you don't know how you're gonna pull it off. Delayed obedience is actually disobedience. You know, there was another guy in the Old Testament and he began to make excuses before God too. He had a great call upon his life and band, if you're there, you can come. His name was Jeremiah. 
had a great call on his life, great things that God had called him to do. But he was like, but God, what if I fail? What if they don't listen to me? What if everybody laughs at me? You know how God responded to that? He said, Jeremiah, is anything too hard for me? That's a good word, right? He said, Jeremiah, is anything too hard for me? And some of you in this room today, you need to hear that because right now you're like, yes, Andrew, I know that God wants me to do this. I know He wants me to step out in this area, but you don't understand. It's just too hard. Friend, I agree. I absolutely agree with you. It is too hard. That thing that God's called you to do that you're like, oh, you know, I should, but it is too hard for you, but is anything too hard for God? Is anything too hard for our God? You know, what if Noah had said, I'm sorry, God, but I don't do boats. I never built a boat, I never seen a boat. I don't know what I'm gonna feed all these animals. I'm sorry, God, but what you're asking me to do is just too hard. What if David had said, sorry, God, I don't do giants. I've done bears. And I've done lions, but giants are just too hard. What if Mary had said, oh, sorry, God, I don't do virgin births. I hear they're just too hard. In fact, somebody said they're impossible. Friend, it is too hard. Let's just settle that today. It is too hard for you. But I'm here to tell you, nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is too hard for God. He is the God of the impossible. Nothing is too hard for Him. Hi, I'm Richard Gabakian, pastor of Lifehouse Church. Just wanted to say thank you for listening to this message and I hope and pray that you feel that it's added value to your life. My greatest desire is to see people develop a personal relationship with Jesus, which can begin by praying a very simple prayer. I'm going to pray that prayer right now. And if you'd like to begin that relationship, you can just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I choose you as my only hope of being forgiven. Please come into my life and let me begin a relationship with you that will last for all eternity. If you've prayed that prayer, we would love to know about it and celebrate your fantastic decision. You can do that by sending an email to mydecision at lifehouse.com.au. We look forward to hearing from you.